0: Over the Monster Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I am joined by Keaton DeRocher of Over the Monster and of the Dynasty Guru. And on today's edition of the podcast, which is your Monday, July the 15th edition, we are going to talk about the game tonight, The Trade for Andrew Kashner, The Infuriating Comments by Dave Dombrowski. We're going to talk about what the hell is going on wrong with Chris Sale. We're going to talk about some Erod, and we're going to get to your listener questions. But first of all, let me ask my co-host, Keaton DeRocher, how is you? Well, I would have been doing better
1: if uh, Red Sox could have scored a run in any one of the innings where they had runners in scoring position and a chance to win the game. But, you know, that's how it goes. You know, normally you say you'll be listening to this recording tomorrow, um, but it is July 15th right now in both of our time zones as we're recording this. So you'll get to listen to this today.
0: Yeah, right now it's one thirty-one in the morning where I am, and let me give you a little bit of background for the listeners. Um I had a bottle of wild turkey that I was at before the end of this uh this game and that is gone. Um uh, don't worry, I didn't drink the whole thing. It didn't have that much left. Um and then I tried to cook some popcorn, which I promptly burnt because I've never cooked popcorn in my microwave here. And it said two to four minutes and I put it on for four and that was a big mistake. And then my house stank. And then I found a bag of Haribo gummy bears in my Lazy Susan, which I proceeded to eat the entire thing of. So that's where I'm at right now at one thirty in the morning as I uh, am reeling from... Uh, the Red Sox dropping two out of three from the Dodgers, so, so shit is real over here on the East Coast.
1: There was one point during that game my Apple Watch told me that my heart rate was going too fast while I was just sitting watching it, so I think it was, it was out of fury. Got my yeah, blood boiling a bit.
0: That sounds right. Uh, the coolest part of the game by far was the back-to-back home runs sure by was. Bogarts. And J.D. Martinez to tie the game, Um, Bogarts is such a G right now. That dude has 20 home runs. He's batting like 300, um, 301, actually. He's a monster. I love Xander Bogarts. Yep, I do too. There's not much more you can say. I mean, he's
1: putting putting the team on his back right now, carrying him. Three straight games with a home run, six straight games with an RBI. Um, Really can't get much better than that.
0: You know what could get better, though, is if Mookie Betts would start pulling his weight. Um, I got to say, we've been giving Mookie a pass this entire season. Um, Just pass, pass, pass. Oh, he'll get it going. He'll get it going. Hey, Mookie, wake up, dude. You're not a 275 hitter. You're not a 468 slugging hitter. You're a friggin' MVP. Start hitting like it, bro. I mean, look at what Devers is doing. 325, 379, 552. Bogart's is even better than that. JD Martinez is doing JD Martinez things even with his back bothering him. Hell, Christian Vasquez is doing better than Mookie Betts at this point. Wake up, dude. I'm tired of this guy.
1: That's really the the, the tough pill to swallow there is when you're getting shown up by Christian Vasquez, but he is hitting nearly three hundred over the past month. He's at uh, two ninety five and still you know, walking, striking out.
0: What's his slug?
1: 500.
0: Not good enough.
1: No. I mean, yeah. It's only two home runs over that period. But he he may be starting to kind of turn that corner. And maybe the, I don't know, just hoping a little bit that maybe the, the all-star break was exactly what he needed. And he's going to pick this up here in the second half. But uh, over the past month, he has started to bump up that average to be much better than the 270 whatever he had there in the first half so maybe things are starting to turn there but it's massively been out overshadowed by devers vasquez and bogarts and jenny martinez is just kind of he's had a really quiet season i think i think he needs to be a little bit louder
0: you know, what's the other thing that I've been noticing, too? And this is completely anecdotal. And this is maybe talk for one thirty in the morning. But, you know, since that's where we are at this point. Um, the other thing I notice when watching these games is I'm always seeing Bogarts in the dugout talking to Devers, talking to Vasquez, talking to all these other guys. I never see the cameras on bets chatting people up trying to give them tips. What's up with that? You notice that? I have not noticed that. But
1: uh, something that was pointed out on Twitter by one of the beat writers, I do not remember which one, whenever the starting pitcher has gone out to take the ball uh, to start the game, they're usually met by Bogarts uh, and get a little pep talk. And Chris Sale yesterday was met by both Bogarts and Devers, and that was the first time that Devers had met them. So I think Bogarts is – much more of a leader than we might have known but i have i have not noticed um really anything related to bets but i i can't say i've been looking for it
0: yeah bogarts is just everything you want in a baseball player he's he's a leader he speaks different languages he leads by example he leads vocally uh he's the best thing ever for this team and the relationship he's developing with rafael devers is one that's Truly special to watch and uh, one that I think is going to be our pleasure to watch for a long period of time. So I'm excited about that. But let's get right into it, uh, Keaton. Um, I I think we're, we're a podcast that meets weekly, so let's not focus too much on the minutia of dropping two out of three from the Dodgers. They're a fantastic team. The Red Sox have not been a fantastic team this year. But let's talk about the acquisition that the Red Sox made in getting Andrew Kashner uh, from the Baltimore Orioles, an acquisition that neither of us were particularly excited about. And it's an option that we did talk about on the podcast just last week.
1: Yeah, we did. And we both said that we were kind of mad about it and not really interested in any pitcher that the Orioles kind of had to offer. So it was kind of interesting that that's where it went. Um after reading a article that our good friend uh shelly verstrait put out about cashner i'm a little less annoyed but still kind of annoyed uh it seems clear that the reason that they went this route over any of the other starting pitching options that are out there was because of the third luxury tax threshold As this essentially threads the needle of staying under by how much money that they got Baltimore to cover, Uh, he was due. It was like 3.8 million, and Red Sox are only gonna have to pay like 1.7 of that, including any bonuses that he gets um, from performance incentives or uh, playoffs, anything like that. Baltimore is covering all of that the only thing that counts towards their salary gap is at 1.7. And it basically brings them about 600,000 away from that third threshold. So it was very deliberate that it, this was the move to stay under. And there were some comments from, uh, and we talked about so many interviews this week. I forgot who it was that made the comments, La Russa, Tony La Russa, about how, um, in some of the trade talks, they didn't like what the price was for some of these uh, folks that they had looked into, and they pretty much had put a cap on not trading a lot of the names from their farm because they had put significant effort into rebuilding their farm after kind of emptying it a couple of years ago, which is really surprising to me because um, there's always more prospects. And it there were uh, people kind of forget that there was once a time where anderson espinoza was untradeable there was once a time where both luis alexander basabes were untradeable there was a time when henry owens was untradeable there was a time when blake swihart was untradeable and that was literally like weeks ago (laughs) so uh they're so hit or miss and there's they get replenished so quickly I'm surprised that they were that tied to them. I mean, if they had five, six, seven guys in the top 100, I can see that. But I'm pretty sure they only have two, and they're, like, below 90. Yeah. So it's not that strong of a system. 98 and 99. Right. So there's going to be more prospects. They don't have an especially strong system. So what's, what's the point of holding on to what you have? It's not... It's not like the farm system of a couple of years ago, where it was Benintendi, it was Devers, it was Moncada, where it was incredibly top-heavy, and I think they had five in the top thirty, and two of those were Swihart and Owens. So, <laughs> I mean, I was I was surprised that it seems like a lot of the uh, public perception is getting to the front office, and that's not something that has happened in the past. And we're going to talk about some other comments from Dombrowski. Um, that again makes it painfully obvious that public perception is getting to the front office when it shouldn't, and it's incredibly frustrating. But um, there, it's it's one thing to kind of give in to warranted public pressure, I guess, in, in times. And kind of thinking back, there's been times where, like, when the Red Sox completely biffed the Lester deal, and then the starting pitching shit the bed. They gave in to public pressure, and they signed Price to a massive contract extension. That was probably warranted. They didn't give in last year at the trade deadline when everybody was yelling about the bullpen, and then they won a World Series. And it kind of seems like they I, – I don't, I don't know. I'm just baffled by what, this, what the front office is doing at this point, and I, I just don't really understand it. But to, to put like a hard cap on not trading prospects – And that's why, you know, you didn't go after some of these other guys. It seems more like it's they're terrified of this third threshold, which I don't understand at all.
0: Yeah, I think this crystallized to me, this move crystallized that the Red Sox do view this 246 as a hard cap for this year and that they're not willing to go past that. There's been two different sort of schools of thought on this. Um, One is some comments that we had from Dave Dombrowski saying that, you know, it wasn't John Henry Henry that gave him a hard cap that he couldn't spend over last year. Um, That wasn't a thing. He just needed to be financially responsible. I can't remember who wrote that article or who got that quote from him, but that was essentially the quote. The other thing was John Henry being seemingly upset with Dombrowski for not changing more things, uh, and saying that he wasn't sure how much money they wanted to spend on this rendition of the team. But this move in particular, with the needs that this particular team has, crystallizes in my mind that this is about money, and this is about not spending over that cap. They've mentioned so many times that the roster that they've put on the field, uh, they've invested in heavily, and that this is the roster that needs to do things. Um, and I think that they are intent on resetting. Uh, for next year and putting themselves in a better financial position, and I think that they're okay with that, considering the fact that they won the World Series last year, and that baseball is a business. And to them, um, you know that that financial side of it is what matters most. And I don't want to just simply talk about the negatives here. I don't want to completely poo-poo Andrew Kashner either. He's a 32-year-old pitcher. Who's pitched 96.1 innings to this point this season with a 383 ERA? Red Sox starters uh, in the fifth spot while Ivaldi has been out have pitched to nearly a 7 ERA. So this is obviously a huge upgrade. He's also having one of the best seasons of his career right now. He's changed some things. He's thrown his sinker less. He's throwing his change up more. There are some real reasons to be encouraged by Andrew Kashner. And yes, they did not give up much to get Andrew Kashner. They gave up two DSL uh, prospects that aren't nothing prospects. One of them was signed for $275,000. Uh, in the J2 signing period just a year ago. So it's not like these guys are complete nobodies. And it's not like Kashner sucks. He's going to go a long way to stabilize a rotation that certainly needs it. But the comments that Dave Dombrowski has made outside of just this deal, saying that the team might stand pat and that people are simply forgetting the fact that uh, Eovaldi is coming to the bullpen and that that is an addition in and of itself uh, is is where he really loses me because it's not like Andrew Kashner is some, you know, groundbreaking acquisition. Sure, it's going to help the team, but there's still more that needs to be added. And just today on the Sunday Night Baseball broadcast, uh, A-Rod and Jessica Mendoza both mentioned the fact that they thought that this pen could use a couple more arms. And they said not just one, they said two. I um, mean, these are not baseball illiterate people here. Say what you want about A-Rod and Jessica Mendoza, but they know the game. Um, and it's pretty clear. I mean, Stephen Wright just went on the IL as well. This bullpen clearly has issues. They pitched well enough tonight, but you know, Hector Velasquez is still a member of this bullpen. There are guys that you can replace, and um, it seems like a half measure for a team that's intent on not going all in for this season.
1: Right, and you make a good point about A. Uh, Cashner. I just want to kind of put a ball on that. The the more. I thought about it. I mean, I had said a couple times on this very podcast that I would prefer a fifth starter, and that's exactly what they got, and they really didn't give up much to get it. But it was the the more I thought about it and the more I got pissed off with the, the underlying aspects of it that it feels like that's the only move they're going to make, and I don't. that's the piece that I don't like because uh, they need more in the bullpen, and it was coupled with the... Um, Basically, like you, you said, Dombrowski's comments uh, after the Cashner trade were basically like, yeah, we, we made this acquisition to get Cashner and people are forgetting that we're basically also acquiring Avaldi because he's been out forever. And I, I tweeted this out because this makes absolutely no sense, but they're hanging their hat on a guy who hasn't pitched since April 17th, who has a bum elbow and had multiple setbacks in his rehab, who isn't even back with the team yet. And have their plan is to not have any kind of contingency plan for that at all. And just that Evolve is going to work. So what happens if it doesn't? You're exactly where you are right now with a bullpen that can't finish a game. Or that can't kind of keep pace with a team as you kind of marathon out an extra inning game. So that, that's the part that frustrates me because if it doesn't work... And there are so many red flags following Evaldi to the bullpen, uh, including the fact that he said that he feels better when he's when he has the more days off in between starts. So that indicates to me that at least right off the bat, you're not going to be able to use him in back-to-back days. So you're already going to need somebody to help. And if your plan is to not go get anybody for that, then... Really, what are you doing? You're basically waving the flag on this season and uh, taking a chance on everything that's going to kind of unfold next off season and kind of rebuild for it. Which really feels like wasting a year on a lot of guys that uh, is a team that should be able to compete for a World Series.
0: Yeah, I agree. And uh, I think the part that bothered me even more about this whole thing is what they're doing with their guys in the minor leagues uh, in order to get them ready for this. And um, I don't think any of us believe that Darwinson Hernandez is actually a starter. He's got so much going on with his delivery, so much with his control issues. Um, We we all think he's an electric lefty who could be a real relief ace at some point. I think we all agree uh, on that point. He's got electric stuff uh him moving to the pen and being at triple a right now is uh not weird, not odd. Great move. Um but Tanner Houck uh is a guy that I don't think I was ready to give up on as a starter and, and maybe the club isn't ready to give up on him as a starter. But he has been pushed up to triple a and, and put in the pen as well as a option uh for this year as well. And I think that we're we're being sold that like Ivaldi, a starter at the beginning of the year who isn't quite comfortable with this role, as you've mentioned and he's mentioned before. Um, He was effective in it last year during the playoffs, but we don't know what he's going to be like for an entire season, that he's a true solution. And we're also being sold the bill of goods that Darwinson Hernandez and Tanner Houck could be possible solutions. And at the beginning of the season, we were sold that uh, Durbin Feltman and Travis Lakens could be solutions. And, and guess what? They might not. None of these guys might be solutions. You know who would be a solution? Will Smith. Okay? Ken Giles. These are solutions. Okay? If you're really intent on addressing the bullpen at the major league level, you go out and get somebody who's doing it at the major league level. Um Eovaldi, you can argue, because he has done it at the major league level. But man, it's really tough to to, to, to sell that to me. And it, and it feels like David Dombrowski is trying to pull the wool over our eyes with this whole thing.
1: Yeah, and this is the, the part where I really started to get heated about it. Because I did some math here on their penalties for the competitive balance tax. Uh, and it is absurd what they're saving here. So, right now, they're essentially at um, like 40, 245 and a half, just shy of 245 and a half. So, that would put them at $13.98 million in compensation penalties, fines, whatever you want to term it. So, if they were to go out and get Will Smith, who's due about... $2 million dollars over the rest of the season that would put them over by a million dollars and <clears throat> they would be taxed 45 on that million dollars and that would basically up their penalty to 14.85 million dollars they would they're they're doing all of this they're pushing two guys in darwin's and hernandez and uh or well at the beginning of the year, Durbin Feldman, two guys is what they were pushing. Two guys that hadn't pitched above A ball. Uh, Tanner Hawk, again, guy who started the season in double A. They're pinning our hopes on those two guys and Nathan Ivaldi, who said he's uncomfortable in this, to save $800,070.
0: Yeah, that's not
1: much. Not at all. Or $870,000. I'm sorry. $870,000. And 10 spots in their draft pick. So they would go from the mid-20s to the mid-30s in their draft slot. That's ridiculous. A team like the Red Sox being this nitpicky over $800,000 is absurd.
0: Uh, Yeah, I guess. Aren't there repeater penalties, though? So if you're over the tax for X number of years, there are more penalties on top of that. Though I don't know what those repeater tax penalties are. I do, and they're included. Wow. Okay. But hmm, if they stay under that 246 this year, do their tax penalties reset for next year? Or do they have to be under all the tax thresholds for that to reset? All of them. They would have to be under 206. Okay. So, so that's not a consideration either. Nope. So overall, I guess I'm bothered at the fact that Dave Dombrowski has decided to... Make this half measure, and then try and sell all these other guys to us as real solutions. And uh, particularly the thing about selling guys to us are who are already on the forty-man roster and who are already on the team as uh, external solutions or additions to the team. Uh, just it just bugs me, man.
1: Yep, me too. And it's it's just. It feels more like they're punting on this season and wasting a year of contention because they don't want to spend less than a million dollars, and they they're literally putting a price on the World Series essentially, which is pathetic.
0: Yeah, and and I don't I don't necessarily believe. Let me just say this: I don't believe that this group is going to win a World Series this year. No, I don't. I don't even think if they added a couple arms that this group is going to win a World Series this year. It just hasn't felt like that type of year. And obviously, that feeling like this type of a year, that only goes so far, right? Like, I I don't know. I've been watching baseball my entire life, but I think a lot of us agree that this team just hasn't felt like teams in the past that have gone on to won the World Series. The 2018 team, the 2013 team, the 07 team, which was a wagon, the 04 team, which was, you know, a team of destiny. Uh, all the teams from my life that I've followed that have gone on to do this. This team doesn't feel like that. This team has come up short in moments when other World Series teams wouldn't have come up short. So I don't necessarily expect them to win the world series but i expected the the gm and the ownership to put their best effort forward in order to make that happen and i would have felt much better at it at the end of the day if dave dombrowski went out and acquired uh a better starting pitcher Or, you know, just went out and acquired Kashner, but also then went out and got Will Smith and another reliever. Um, And then the Red Sox fall short against a great Houston team or a great Yankees team and don't make the World Series. Um, I would have felt much better about that than this sort of great unknown of the Red Sox going out there, acquiring Kashner. Probably not going to get anybody else, if we're being honest. And uh, just... Just seeing how this thing goes and then maybe or maybe not even getting one of those wild card spots because, I mean, Oakland isn't sitting on their hands, man. They went out and got a uh, Homer Bailey today. They're they're a great team as well. And, um, you know, Cleveland might not sell and Tampa Bay is reportedly one of the most active teams so far in the pre trade deadline Uh in terms of calling other teams and inquiring about both pitchers and hitters. Um, and they have the deepest farm system probably of any team to go out and get that stuff done. So yeah, it just, it it leaves a bad taste in my mouth that I don't think they're going to put their best foot forward for this season. Even if, even if we don't feel like it was going to work out in the first place, I think you, you owe it to the fans to do that. I still think that if they get in, they have a legitimate
1: chance to do it though. Because of their offense. Their offense is tied with the Twins for the most runs scored in the majors right now. Their biggest lapse has been allowing runs. And getting Chris Sale figured out is a big part of that. But locking down the fifth starter, um, if Cashner continues to be for the Red Sox, what he was with the Orioles is actually pretty big acquisition. Uh, annoyance to the luxury tax aside, that's a big help. But the bullpen isn't going to be able to do much if this Evaldi thing doesn't work out and we rely on guys who started out the year pitching in single and double A. That's the part that frustrates me. Uh, I agree. I think they probably... um, I mean, one of the major arms, like you mentioned, Giles or Smith, I still think they would need one of those. One of them, at least, I would feel a lot better about. Two, I don't know necessarily if they would need two, but... I would feel a lot better about one of them, honestly. And then kind of letting the pitching play out as it is, I don't see why they couldn't win a World Series this year.
0: Yeah, I mean, it certainly gives gives them a puncher's chance. If they get into the playoffs, we've seen wildcard teams do this before. The Red Sox have done it as a wildcard team before. So, Yeah, um, I know what you mean we, about feel, though, for sure. Yeah. The, the, the feel thing is very real. Um, it just doesn't feel like a championship team and, you know, I keep going back to Mookie Betts, man. It's hard for me to look at a guy like Xander Bogarts and I don't want people to think I have anything against Mookie Betts. I don't have anything against Mookie Betts. I think he's maybe the most exciting player in all of baseball and seems like a great guy. Um, But just look at what happened to Xander Bogarts this year. He goes out and he says that he wants to play for the Red Sox. He tells his agent to get a deal done. He gets a deal done for the Red Sox. Signs for probably under what his market value is with the Red Sox, which, you know, absolutely, that's what he decided to do. That's not what other guys need to decide to do. But Xander Bogarts has played like a comfortable man. Uh, This entire year, he has been playing out of his mind because he's comfortable. I mean, he's he's developed as a player. He's ready to go. He's he knows he's going to be here. Mookie Betts is playing like a distracted guy this year. Um, He's only got one year left after this, and he's been so adamant and so anti contract discussions and, you know, so invisible as a vocal leader, at least as far as I can see from. From watching all the games, and uh, I gotta think that this is weighing on him to to some degree, and it bugs me. Well, he know? admitted
1: it. Speaking to reporters at the All Star game, he he
0: mentioned that he does think about it. So I mean, I, he admitted as much. I mean, how can you not think about it, right? Right. You're yeah. you're you're a young man who's about to get paid half a billion dollars, maybe, <laughs> to play baseball, like. Yeah, you're going to think about it, especially when you're someone like Mookie, who just probably never expected to be in this position. Um, but you look at Mookie, and he looks like he's playing with the weight of the world on his shoulders. And then you look at Xander Bogarts, and you see a guy who's like, who 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 never looks more comfortable than when he's at the plate down 0-2, you know? He's constantly 0-2, and he looks like he could not care less. Um and so, it, it, that's what I talk about when I talk about feel. Is just that this this group doesn't feel right. Yeah, I don't disagree. Yeah. All right. Well, let, let's uh, let's take a quick break. We're going to give you a word from our sponsors here, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the pitchers on the staff, and some of those those pitchers are pretty damn important too. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. All right, welcome back for segment two. Keaton, we got to talk about Chris Sale here. We sure Um, do. And you did a marvelous job of digging into Chris Sale. Uh, Very laudable. I looked at your research and it is very good.
1: Thank you. Um,
0: So I would like you to talk about what you think is going wrong with Chris Sale because this is a guy who, much like Xander Bogarts, uh, the team decided to invest in in this offseason. And I don't think anybody was upset in the fact that they decided to uh, invest in Chris Sale because Chris Sale just has the right attitude, the right skill set. Basically, everything you'd like in a player, Chris Sale is, uh, much in the same way that Xander Bogarts is. But... Chris Sale hasn't been performing up to expectations this year and certainly not living up to the five-year contract that he signed in the offseason. So you dug into his numbers from 2017, 2018, and 2019, and, and I'd like to hear what you what you found out.
1: Yeah. Um, we got a lot of or a couple questions about Sale uh, for this pod, and I was getting some questions on Twitter about him over the past couple of days, and I thought, you know what? I'm just going to take a look and see what I can find here. So, spent some time this afternoon, dug in, and what I found out is that his slider uh, is basically fucked. Uh, and that, that's not great. So That is not great. No. His overall line actually looks pretty damn good and not terribly far off from... Uh, Well, I mean, obviously his ERA is not that great. But like his uh, walks per nine last year was 1.94. This year it's 2.18. That's still pretty elite. Strikeouts per nine. 2017 was 2.93. Last year was 13.5. This year, 12.9. Still pretty elite. Not really all that far off. Um, So his overall stuff, you would think, not all that different. Then I started to kind of dig in pitch by pitch, and saw some major differences with his slider from the last few years. One was in his release point. It looks like it's it dropped a little bit from 2017 to 2018 to 2019, and that has allowed his uh, finishing point essentially to elevate. So when it finally, you know, gets to the zone, the center point of I mean, if you've ever seen a scatter plot for his slider, it kind of just looks like an absolute mess. But the center point of that mass has elevated. And uh, that is kind of messing everything up. He's lost his feel for it. That seems pretty obvious. Uh, last year, he had 10 walks and 10 hit by pitches on his slider. So far this year, he already has 11 walks and 9 hit by pitches. In about, you know, almost 80 innings less. Batting average against is almost 100 points higher. It's at 201, which is still, you know, a really good batting average against. But last year was at 109. So this is getting hit quite a a lot more. But even the more significant issue was the the horizontal break on his slider is lost 37% of his break. So it used to have about four and a half inches of break, and now it's down to two point eight inches. So that right there kind of led me to think, uh, and I think you as well.
0: Maybe he's hurt. Uh, and so,
1: looking at all of his pitches
0: as a whole, as a whole. And that was one of our listener questions as well, asking us if he was hurt.
1: Yeah. Then I looked at all the kind of back at all of his pitches as a whole, and the center point for all of his pitches are all kind of elevated to where the, from where they were last year. So I thought, well, maybe that is kind of the case. But again, his stat line looks really good. And looking at his fastball, which is the other pitch that he throws, uh, the other basically kind of significant amount of time, even though it's slightly elevated compared to where it was last year, it's actually improved its effectiveness basically across the board. Uh, his walk percentage has gone down. Strikeout percentage has gone up 3% on the pitch. His whiff percentage is identical. Put-away percentage has gone up 3%. So his four-seamer, even though it's slightly elevated, is more effective this season than it was last season. So, uh, And the spin rates on both slider and four-seamer are basically identical. They're like within 15 RPMs of where they were last year. So that doesn't signal to me that he's hurt. But he's just completely lost his slider altogether. His walk rate on his slider has gone up 2%. The strikeout rate has dropped 13%, which is a massive drop. And the whiff rate has gone down 10%, which, again, is a massive drop. He's just not fooling people with it. It's not breaking as much. He's not fooling people with it. He can't locate it. He's just It's a completely dead pitch for him right now, and it's causing a, just a bunch of problems.
0: And he's throwing it more than ever, too. Yeah. which is also not a great sign. Um, and and it's making his other offerings less effective, too, because they know they can lay off that pitch or just simply attack it. And, you know, this all leads back to uh, uh, things that other people who cover the beat have, have mentioned, too. I, I retweeted Alex Spear during his last start. He said 93-mile-an-hour meatball to freeze. Uh, For another uh, double, no fastball command for Sale, who got three swings and misses on his first 11 four-seamers, then none on his last 29, all while his velo dropped like a stone. Sox said before break, he's not injured. If if not, his struggles are more confounding. And then Chris Smith uh, tweeted after that start, uh, Chris Sale last four starts, 759 ERA, 18 earned runs, 21 and third innings, and he has a 427 ERA on the season. So all those things coupled together, he's lost effectiveness on his slider. Uh, He's overusing his fastball, and when he does, uh, it's been losing velo and been being hit more often than it was uh, when all his offerings were working effectively. And all this has led to him being, as Chris Sale himself called, uh, his own... Pitching a liability for the team.
1: Yeah, that's that's the one thing that I was kind of hesitant to bring up, just because of how we started the season. But his fastball velocity, as a, cumulatively on the season, is about two miles an hour less than his career average. But he, I mean, whatever the hell was going on at the beginning of the season, he started out the year throwing it like eighty six to eighty eight. So I don't know if we remove that then it kind of comes back to the norm and he's closer to averaging about 95 Uh, or if we should include that because he did throw it. But I don't know if that was on purpose
0: or if that was just, that was all he could muster. I don't know what the fuck was going on there. Well, he he wasn't also, he was also not getting correct extension uh, on that pitch. Uh, And I remember this from, from the beginning part of the season is that he worked with Dana LeVangie to figure out that basically, uh, his release point and his stride length were all off with that pitch too. So, um, for a guy who's six and in gangly, like he he relies on that extension to get velo. And at the beginning of the year, it seemed like he was sort of shortening up things um, and not allowing him to get that regular velo that he gets from that sort of slinging action that he throws the fastball with. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so he's just a weird case, though, because when you look at him, it's not like it's not like he muscles out 95, 96, 97. Right. Like he, he does that because he's this big, gangly, gumby monster of a pitcher on the mound. You know, he's all levers. Right. Yeah. So everything has to be working in sync for him. And frankly, this year he hasn't had everything in sync in – When Chris Sale is Cy Young level Chris Sale, he has everything working perfectly in sync with his 6'6 frame.
1: Right. I don't think that the the rotation needs him to be back to that level, but they certainly need him to be better than he has been. And like you said, uh, I think I would agree with his own assessment that lately he's been more of a liability.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can't argue with uh, ERA over seven over the last four starts. That's yeah, that's right. a straight-up liability. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, on the flip side of things, Eduardo Rodriguez was excellent versus the Dodgers uh, in his last start there. And Eduardo Rodriguez is, frankly, a, a fairly confounding pitcher. In this one versus the Dodgers on the 12th, he went seven innings, gave up one earned run, struck out 10. Um And in the two outings before that, he gave up just one versus Detroit, just two versus the Yankees. But then before that, five and four uh, versus Chicago and at Minnesota, Um, he's had a lot of clunkers sprinkled in there. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight outings of four or more earned runs. And then. Other outings where he looks like an absolute world beater. And the thing that was working for him in this outing versus the Dodgers was his changeup. It was ridiculous. Um, uh, and that that continues to be the thing that sort of frustrates uh people who watch Eduardo Rodriguez is man, this guy has crazy talent um and and the ability to be this frankly dominant pitcher, and at times he just doesn't pitch like that.
1: No, he doesn't. And I think, I mean, we've talked about it on this pod before, but the changeup seems to be a big part of it and using all of his pitches. And when he uses all of his pitches, then he keeps guys way more off balance than if all of his other pitches play up. When he kind of gets that tunnel vision and is just relying on like one or two pitches, it doesn't expand his arsenal and he gets lit up. And when he was going against the Dodgers, he kind of had, everything working, and it it made his changeup look much better. And I don't know how much of that is either on him or the catcher to remember that he's got more than two pitches, but as long as they keep that going, then that's what I want to see. But he's he's on an extended run here now where he has looked very, very, very good, and they're going to need that to continue if they're going to have a run of success here.
0: Yeah, the the thing about this team that makes you – as frustrated as we are with Dombrowski uh, for a lot of reasons, and we spelled those out earlier, the thing that does give you some hope and helps you see things Dombrowski's way about this roster is that it's not impossible, and you don't even have to stretch that much to envision a second half where Chris Sale is Chris Sale. David Price continues to pitch like David Price. Rick Porcello, who has traditionally been a run better in the second half of his uh, season over his career is excellent in the second half. Andrew Kashner continues to pitch well and Eduardo Rodriguez pitches up to his potential where you could really have a rotation that is the best in baseball over the second half of the season. And couple that with the, the way that the offense is and, the surprising effectiveness of the rotation, I mean, uh, the, the bullpen at times when it's not overused. I mean, there there is a formula here where this roster on its own is good enough to not only get back to the playoffs, but make some damn noise when they get there. But I think it starts with that rotation performing up to its expectations.
1: Yeah, I think I agree. I certainly agree. That they have the capabilities of living up to it. And right now, uh, at least Price and Rodriguez are holding down their end of the bargain. Uh, Thank God we're in the second half. We need Porcello to kind of flip his switch here. But now if uh, the starters can just go eight every game,
0: we'll be good. Yeah, give that bullpen a little bit of rest. Um, Let's get to some listener questions here, Keaton. We have... uh... We have tackled a lot of the major issues uh, that we we set out to tackle. Uh, our first question comes from Kevin D, who asks, how much longer will we have to endure Stephen Wright? Uh, Stephen Wright was placed on the IL uh, after getting hit with that line drive. I'm not sure how long we're going to have to endure Stephen Wright. What do you think?
1: One more season. He's got one more season of arbitration left.
0: Okay. you think they'll keep him next year? Probably, right?
1: Yeah, I mean why wouldn't they? They're not gonna have to pay him like anything because he's missed so much time. So they'll give him like whatever the minimum is, probably. Maybe slightly more than that, like six hundred thousand dollars and there you go. Yeah. I'd just prefer it if they didn't, but they will.
0: Yeah, I mean he the the one complication there is that he's out of options, so if they feel like they have a flush bullpen and they don't want to deal with that keeping him there all year maybe they'll get rid of him in the off season, but you know probably not um zach asks our next question he says how satisfied are you with andrew kashner um keaton what's your favorite type of pizza barbecue chicken um, all right, so barbecue chicken is your your extremely satisfied uh, threshold. And what is your least favorite type of pizza?
1: Gluten-free, dairy-free.
0: <laughs> some bullshit without cheese uh, and, and, and with uh, some of that gluten-free crust. Okay, so if um, – and what's a middling-level pizza for you? Cheese, right? It's pretty basic. Just – like, so that would be like a 5 out of 10? Yeah. Okay. Um, how satisfied with you are... Uh, how satisfied with Andrew Kashner are you on a scale of uh, gluten-free pizza to barbecue chicken pizza?
1: If this is the only move that they make, then I'm a cheese pizza. If... They add to the bullpen, then throw
0: some ham and green peppers on there. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm envisioning that as like a a 7 out of 10
1: for
0: you. Yeah, that's what it would be. Okay, okay. Uh, Yeah, uh, so my favorite type of pizza is a uh, pepperoni and mushroom combo. Uh, which I I just think is a classic combo and it's a classic for a reason because it's delicious. Um, I think that I am probably at a sausage pizza. Uh, Fine, but not what I would order. You know, like something that's just a a little bit bit below my expectation levels. Maybe like a four out of ten. Okay? It's decent, but not what I'm looking for.
1: All right. I need to know, though, on your scale... Yeah, where Hawaiian pizza would land.
0: Oh, Hawaiian pizza would be like my cheese for you. Well, it's it's like totally fine. Um, I'm not like one of those people who rails against it. Um, But I'm also not like I don't run out to order it. But you know what? I'm going to give the listeners here a a real um, a real leg up on their next pizza order. Hamburger and onion. The truth right there. So, cheeseburger pizza? Yeah. Fucking amazing. Um, All right. Zach has our next question as well. Uh, He asks about a ridiculous rule that Manfred would try and put in place. Mine is that runners can catch balls out of the air and then hurl them and continue running. Zach, you're going too weird with these questions here, buddy. Um, I know it's like 2 in the morning here, but... um, I don't know. I don't I don't know about weird rules. What would What would your r- weird role be, Keaton?
1: I feel like what Manfred would do would be something stupid like... Like juicing the balls and denying that you juiced the balls? Well, no, that's the thing is he didn't even deny it. He's like, yeah, we manufactured them with a new pill that's more aerodynamic in the middle. And then so when Lander was like... Yeah, so you juiced him. He was like, well, no, that implies we did it on purpose. What I mean, what the fuck is manufacturing them different then? That, like, are you kidding me? <laughs> How do uh, you backtrack from that? <clears throat> no, but it would be something stupid that he would think would uh, reduce pace of play. Like, uh, if you did a double, like, eliminated a double switch. So if you pinch, like, National League, if you pinch hit for the pitcher, now you have to have the position player on the mound.
0: Um, so one of my friends who, who does not watch baseball or enjoy baseball yet is still my friend, um, mentioned to me today when I was trying to explain the juice ball thing to him, uh, that, you know, maybe you could do the same thing as juice balls with boosting offense by, um you know, making a pitch clock where it's like 20 seconds for a pitcher to pitch, and they don't get as much rest between pitches, so they don't throw as hard, and then by not throwing as hard, offense is down, right? Like, that makes kind of some sense, right? You could maybe um, boost offense that way by having pitchers' average velocity drop a little bit. Um, But... He was like, well, isn't everybody's problem with Major League Baseball that baseball is too long? And if you put more offense into the game, isn't the game going to go longer? And I was like, well, well, shit. Yeah, I guess he's right. I mean, so, look like, at those London games. That's right. <laughs> like, maybe, maybe we just stop effing with baseball and, like, let the damn shit just breathe. Like, let it just be. Right? Like, it's baseball. It is fucking baseball, man. It's been baseball for years. Let it be baseball. Am I right?
1: I can't remember if it was Paul McCartney and Wings or the Beatles, but they wrote a whole goddamn song about letting it be.
0: Yeah. Fifty fucking years ago. Listen to it, damn it. And and you know what? The other thing he said where I was talking to him and he it's a perfect case study, because he does not give a shit about baseball. Like the difference between like Boosting offense is not going to bring people to baseball who aren't watching baseball already. Like, I'm sorry. That's just not a thing.
1: You know what is, though? More Vladimir Guerrero Jr. everywhere.
0: Yes, I agree. Just do the home run derby like every three weeks and you'll get more fans to baseball. And get Joey Gallo in it for fuck's sake. Yeah, also Joey Votto because he's hilarious. <laughs> uh ben jacobson has our next question he, he says would it be possible to set up a deferment plan on the contracts with hanley and panda to open up payroll allowing the Sox to stay under the tax threshold so they can acquire more guys at the deadline and who else do you think the Sox try and go after if anyone uh, first of all i don't think it's possible it is not um hanley is gone though that's not part of the the calculus any longer uh it's correct just the, the panda and stuff. next year
1: they only owe him five
0: yeah it's a buyout for five so that's I not mean, so bad yeah so no it's not possible and uh unfortunately ben and thank you for the question you've been a, a very diligent question asker this year uh and we appreciate you um you know keaton and i are not not very sold that they're gonna go after anybody else
1: yeah i don't think they are i think they're gonna rely on Evaldi and the the miners. I think that's yeah. where they're going.
0: Fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Wax asks our next question. He says, "Is, is Andrew Kashner Eric Bedard reincarnated?" Um, I don't actually hate this comp.
1: I, <laughs> I mean, I do because I really hope it's not true. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. So Eric Bedard was he with the Sox in twenty eleven? I don't remember. I think it was twenty eleven. Um, let's just go with that. We have the internet. Twenty eleven, he pitched one hundred and twenty nine innings. He had eight point seven strikeouts per nine, three point three four walk uh, walks per nine in a three sixty two ERA. Uh, Eric Bedard was actually better than Cashner that year.
1: Yeah, it must have been two thousand eleven. What uh what happened to the Red Sox in two thousand eleven, Jake?
0: Chicken and beer, man. <laughs> Chicken <laughs> and beer. Yeah. Um yeah, he's no, he's a pretty different pitcher than Eric Bedard. Uh, and, and we forget that Bedard was like a, a fucking dude for a bit. Like Bedard with the uh with the with the O's was legit. He had a 4.6 war and a 5.0 war season in 2006 and 2007. So yes, better than that. Yeah. Better than Kashner. If that makes you feel any better, it should make you feel worse. I hope you feel worse, Jeff. (laughs) It doesn't make me feel better. (laughs) Uh, Mark, Mark Anderson has our next question. Is it possible to have one toe that's greater than another? Uh, Yes, your big toe is clearly the greatest of all the toes, considering its size. And I believe if you look up the the word great on the Internet, uh, you will get a definition, according to Merriam-Webster, that says notably large in size, which would certainly apply to your biggest toe of k- Kind characterized by relative largeness used in plant and animal names. So an example, great horned owl. So if I was to describe my biggest of toes, it would be the great toe. Um, it's certainly not something that I say. Uh, I would just say my big toe. But then again, it works. So
1: here's a question. Do you need any of your other toes?
0: Yes. You don't need your fifth metacarpal, but you do need the other four.
1: For what? Balance. You don't think you could balance without your toes or with your, without your other toes?
0: I think it would be detrimental to your balance not to have your other four toes at least. I don't think your small, smallest of toes does much for balance. You know, the, I do the sole of the shoe would be enough? I mean, it might, but I think you'd certainly be aided by the balance of your toes.
1: Maybe I take my toes for granted, but I feel like I feel like I could do without them.
0: Cut a couple of those suckers off. See where see where you're at. Uh, all right, and I'm not going to butcher this name, but I definitely am uh, Guilherme. Khalil, I'm sorry if I butchered that, buddy, A um, uh, Brazilian fan, asks us, do you believe that Chris Sale is injured? We need him to make the playoffs. He's not the same since the injury last year. What's going on? Thanks. Um, thank you for listening from Brazil. Um, we talked about this at length today, so we we won't address this anymore, but um, we, uh, we really do appreciate the question and you catching up with us from Brazil. That's awesome.
1: Did I convince you, though? Because I think initially you may have been on the fence about him being hurt.
0: I was, yeah, especially uh, from the Alex Spear comments. Uh, anytime Alex Spear suggests something like that could possibly be true, it, it tends to really sway me. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the the fact that the fastball, uh, you know, has, has been decently effective makes me kind of doubt that a little bit.
1: I will say, though, This, the analysis that I did was all from taking a cumulative look at his stats on the year. I didn't do a breakdown of like by month or by week. So if he noticed something in his most recent starts, that may not have shown up in what I was looking at. So he still may be correct. But it looked to me more like he's having much more severe issues with his slider than being hurt.
0: It's not usually a great idea to doubt Stat Masterson. Yeah. Not usually something you want. Last question of the night comes from Drew Drew Andre. And he says, when do you expect to see bullpen 2.0 with Tanner, Darwinson, and Eovaldi all up? Who goes to make room on the 25 and 40? Okay. Um, I hope not all of those guys are up at the same time, which will mean that something has gone terribly wrong, I think. Um, I think
1: it's a no-brainer that Darwinson's coming.
0: Yeah, and I would think that Hector Velasquez with his options is the guy that goes down for him.
1: Yeah, I think I would. I'd be fine with punting Colton Brewer into the
0: sun. Same. Um, I think that if you're going to see two arms move, it's going to be Brewer and Velasquez. Um, Possibly, very possibly, Marcus Walden, depending on how um, the next few weeks go for him. But I think that the rest of those guys are stalwarts of your bullpen in Barnes, Workman, Brazier, Hembry, and Josh Taylor. Josh Taylor has done far and away enough that he's going to deserve a spot for the rest of the year. So it's going to be someone from that group. And it seems like they're eminently comfortable with going with this three man bench that they've been going with for basically the entire season. So those will be the guys. Um, we thank you for the questions, everybody. And, uh, this has been a unique podcast in so far as it's 2:31 right now, as we finish this thing up. Um, we appreciate all of you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please go on, rate and review us and follow us. Uh, anywhere you're listening to this now, you can probably follow us. We're on most, uh, services that provide podcasts. You can go on Twitter and you can also, uh, follow each of us you can follow keaton at the spoken keats you can follow me at at def jake and you can follow the over the monster account at at over the monster for all your red Sox needs and um we appreciate you so thank you very much for the download thank you for the questions and uh we'll be with you next time hopefully at a more normal hour yeah almost
1: at 500 follows get me there guys
0: yes get him there